Hello, I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. We're proud to present this series of 10 discussions with prominent British Columbians in what we call the BIV Business Leadership Series, where they're going to share their views on the impact of the pandemic and how our economy can recover. Our series is sponsored by PwC and by FASCAN. Their messages appear at the start and finish of our conversations, and we're brought to you by UBC Souter Executive Education. All of its programs are running online now until the end of the year, offering an opportunity to engage with faculty and peers in virtual classrooms. Enjoy the conversations. At PwC Canada, our purpose is to build trust in society and solve important problems. And this pandemic is an important problem. It affects us all, both here in BC and globally. At PwC, we're proud to sponsor this series on business in Vancouver to talk about what business leaders are doing and thinking. We've heard last week from Chip, Jimmy, Tamara, Lori, and Peter. Returning to the workplace isn't just about physical places. It's about finding new opportunities. So let's keep the conversation going and hear from our next guests. Hey, welcome back to BIV's Business Leadership Series. I'm Tyler Orton, and our guest today is CEO of HSBC Canada, headquartered right here in Vancouver. And I'd like to welcome to the show, Sandra Stewart. Sandra, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. So one of the things that I, I've been wondering about, especially from kind of the executive perspective, is your initial response when you're able to realize the threat to business, the threat to the economy that COVID-19 was going to have on us all. You know, it's funny. Um, we have operations all over the world, and uh, we knew that there was um it was, it was coronavirus at the time, wasn't called COVID-19. And we were having trouble in our operations in China and uh, mainland China and in Hong Kong. And we were having issues. We were having to close down branches. It was clear that there was a serious illness, but there was at no time that we thought it was going to reach the stages that it uh, became a pandemic. And I was in London early February. And at that time, we were starting to curtail travel. In Canada, we started to curtail travel. It was starting to pick up in other geographies. There was no travel in Hong Kong. And many of us went to London. And little did I know that would probably be the last time I stepped on a plane this year. Um, you know, we came back and then that was it. All travel was absolutely completely shut down. And we're dealing with a pandemic. And the first thing you have to think about is, you know, how do you operate your business? How do you keep your staff safe? So number one is um, as a leadership team, and we had already started testing our ability to work remotely and send people home. And the first two things that come to mind is your people and your customers. It's always about the people. It was about mental health. It was about physical well-being and it's about financial well-being. So it was pretty hard to write what you foresaw at that time. So um, I'll give you the present situation. So we have about 92% of our workforce operating remotely, believe it or not. Um, all of our branches are open and have been throughout the pandemic. Uh, we did shorten our hours. We did shut down on Saturdays. Um, we did uh, create what we call clean teams in the event we had an outbreak. We did have um, you know, a couple of branches affected and we had to shut them, disinfect and bring in um, a non-isolated team to come in. So we've been able to um, stay pretty much 100% operational and we're pretty proud of that. But then as you start to roll forward, you know, you start getting calls from customers is, you know, my business is being impaired. Um, you know, I'm looking down the pipeline here and I'm, I'm having trouble. We had customers who started to lose their jobs. The government programs start to come online. So the, in terms of financial well-being, we've um, worked closely with the government on the government programs. 
as well, um, you know, on the retail side, mortgage, um, mortgage deferral programs, uh, credit card programs. So we've had to be quite nimble and we're pretty proud of the pace that we've been able to operate under. But um, make no mistake, there's a long way to go in this pandemic yet. And there's going to be an awful lot of business impacts yet. So um, we've really got to keep an eye. You know, we see things loosening. We're going to the first phases of reopening. There's a long way to run yet. These businesses have to get up and running. You know, certain sectors are going to be severely impacted. Hospitality, hotels, airlines, restaurants. You know, restaurants are, are not going to be able to come back to full capacity. And um, many businesses, just their volumes are down, their revenues are down. So we're, we're in a very difficult economic cycle and it's been reflected in our results and it's been reflected in, in financial institution results around the world. And as a leader of a financial institution, obviously you have some insights into some of the pressures being felt by businesses and consumers as well. What kind of concerns might there be about maybe increasing debt loads on a lot of organizations, a lot of individuals moving forward? I, I recall uh, Bank of Canada Governor outgoing, uh, or the former Bank of Canada Governor Stephen Pulas, he had mentioned, you know, one of the biggest concerns is increasing debt on Canadians. And this is even before the pandemic. I'm wondering what thoughts do you have on that potential moving forward? I think, um, you know, you heard me talk about financial well-being just a few minutes ago, and yeah, it's about making sure that people have enough cash flow to to get over the hump, you know, to make that rent payment, to put groceries on the table. Some of the programs the government has come up with, um, the, um, the, the CERB, um, the um, wage subsidies, all of these things are going to help because the economy is going to return. The question is, is how long is it going to take? So the big debate, is it going to be V-shape? Is it going to be U-shape? How quickly is it going to come back? It will come back. It's just how long can all of these programs sustain um, individuals and sustain businesses to get over the humps? And, and that's yet to be seen. So there's no doubt there's, um, you know, we've had our share of applications come in with customers looking to uh, take advantage of the EDC and the BDC programs. But um, it's, um, it's, it's, it, it's going to be a work in progress and it, it's very, you know, people are asking for forecasts and predictions. Can't really give you one. I can't really give you one. You know, when you're facing unemployment at 13.7%, it's unprecedented. Um, when you're facing a pandemic, there hasn't been one in our generation or even, you know, how far back. So we're modeling an awful lot of scenarios here. Um, the best thing we can do as a financial institution is talk to our customers uh, try and do the best we can for them and help them over the hump. And, and that's our goal is we've got to get everybody over the hump. And, and I can tell you that's, you know, I had the chance to speak with Stephen Polos and, you know, um, uh, other, other government ministers and um, very concerned about the ability of the Canadian business to weather this storm and the consumer. I guess our closest analog in modern history would be the financial crisis more than a decade ago. Uh, we saw that British Columbia, though, it was able to weather that storm better than other provinces. We have a very diversified economy. I know we're in a little bit of uncharted territory at this point, but what do you think about British Columbia's ability to bounce back? You know, as you say, it's still a little early, but what about this province? So let me take that in, in a really broad context, because as it happens, I was in the United States in 2008 when the working for HSBC, when the um, financial crisis hit. And it was uh, it was a financial crisis. It started with the banks and, and, and the investment banks and uh, the subprime mortgage business. And I, I, I saw that firsthand um, when I was in the States. Canada weathered it very well. Uh, Canada is a very well regulated um, 
banking industry here and, and the banks are very well capitalized, very well liquid. And, you know, as, as we are, we're, we're managed on that. So we manage our capital and we manage our liquidity. In terms of the provinces, and you look at the provincial growth, uh, BC is a very, um, very robust province in terms of economic capacity and economic capability. Um, the question is going to be, and, and there's always other things that play into that, you know, trade is down. There's an awful lot of companies that export into the Pacific Gateway, into Asia, into the U.S. Trade is down 20%. So um, every province is going to have its impacts. I don't think B.C. will be an outlier, but I do think, you know, B.C. has lots of natural resources. It has a diversified economic base. It's got the up-and-coming tech sector. Um, so I think B.C. will fare in relative terms better, but it's no doubt it's going to be difficult. Are you able to look at any potential business opportunities that might emerge, maybe for the financial sector, or maybe for the economy as a whole? Yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, when I talk to my leadership team, we always talk about, you know, in every difficult situation, there's always opportunity. And where is that opportunity going to be? So and number one, the opportunity foremost is with our customers, our existing customer base. So our job is to help them, to get them over the hump. And customers remember you for when you help them. Not when times are good, it's when times are tough. So that's our job now is to help our customers in the tough times. But there's always an opportunity. There's always a, you know, there's always going to be a bit of consolidation. There's going to be always an opportunity for another company that's got the cash flow and the capital to buy another company. Um, you know, there's always opportunity. So you need to keep your eye out for those opportunities, but you need to be um, also very mindful, you know, uh, Everything has to be properly modeled, carefully considered, but certainly there's going to be opportunities, certainly. So far, I mean, what has maybe perhaps surprised you the most about the experience of this pandemic, whether it's, you know, uh, how people have reacted, how organizations have reacted? What surprised me, and I, I think I'll start with um, us at HSBC, was how quickly we were able to adapt as a business. You know, we were able to, um, our staff were able to work remotely. As I said, um, you know, Zoom, we're having an interview on Zoom. How many of those are you doing now? All of them. What, yeah. were, you doing, what were you doing just three months ago? You barely heard of Zoom. So it's changed the way we work. I think the, you talk about opportunity, I think the opportunity is going to be in digital. I think the other thing that is quite striking is how the service industry has been affected, whether it's um, personal services, you know, your salon on the corner, your restaurant on the corner. It's, it's when things are absolutely shut down and, and the government response and, and, and how they will help and how open they've been. I've actually dealt directly with the government, but some people have fallen through the cracks and some businesses have fallen through the cracks. So that's what we have to keep our eye out for and see how we can help and see how we can communicate with government. But it's just how quickly it's all come on and the pace at which everyone's had to adapt has been quite stunning, actually, whether it's pickup service, whether it's grocery pickup service, whether it's restaurant delivery, whether it's education, um, you know, online education for kids, um, banking services. Uh, people have figured out how to work digitally. It isn't perfect, but that's going to be how we change doing business, are we going to travel as much? Is this going to help the environment more? There's a lot of questions that are going to come out of this and, and I'm looking forward to it because I think some really tough questions are going to come out of this and I think they're going to be good. So, yeah. you know. I, I get the sense that business practices will have to change to a certain degree. You bring up the travel aspects. Um, what other business practices, maybe it's regulatory, maybe it's just the practical stuff that we do day to day, but how do you think business practices might change moving forward? 
You know what the one thing I've really appreciated, it's how nimble um, we've been. Um, and I guess, you know, the customers are the ultimate judge on us as to how nimble we've been. When you're waiting for a decision, it can feel like forever. But when the, uh, when the relief programs were first initiated, um, you get a tidal wave of applications and working through them has taken time. But we have worked really hard to get through them at pace. So there's a certain nimbleness and there's a certain um, energy, I would say, in our staff that there's a purpose, a real purpose. I think we've always felt purpose, but people have need now. They're really counting on their banks. They're really counting on, you know, uh, the consumer. So I think that um, there's a different purpose, a different energy. And uh, I think we've recognized how dependent we are on the small and medium business. Especially in British Columbia, we're, we're really known for kind of the importance of entrepreneurs, small businesses. Is that going to be of concern, though? Because maybe it's just going to be tighter margins for those small time businesses uh, moving forward. You know, I think um, the whole business model is going to adapt the whole thing. And, you know, if you look at a small business that now has to invest in deep cleaning, that now has to invest in PPE, um, it's going to cost them more to deliver services. And I think the consumer needs to be ready to adapt to that and paying a little bit more of a premium for these services that we value. So the model is going to change, but hopefully some things are going to become a little bit cheaper uh, in terms of, you know, the what you deliver and how you deliver it through innovation. So, you know, you know less travel. Um, I can tell you we're more efficient by virtue of being able to do Zoom meetings documentation you used to have to come in and do your documentation in front of us and sign it sign it now we're looking at digital documentation where you can sign it remotely and send it in we're looking you used to have to go into some of our branches for facial verification and id verification um, we're now piloting um, technology to do that in our call centers so um, certainly we're adapting it's going to be the um the services uh, industry, you know, just the, the pure services that retailer on the street that um, I'm going to make a plea while I'm on here that we're all going to have to support. And, uh, you know, our services, I was talking to another woman is we're going to have to be um, very supportive with our, our tipping. And if they increase our prices, um, let's make sure we support them because they're really important to the economy and they're really important to us. So, so that's kind of the moral uh, piece that's going to come out of that, I believe. One of the things that I've been talking to a lot of people in business for the last few years, though, is how there's kind of this global shortage of talent. You know, uh, talent is at a premium. Do you think this has the potential? If everyone can just work from home, the ability to recruit is going to become easier. Is it going to level the playing field or does it just amplify that hunt for talent that's already been going on? Because, well, you can work from everywhere at this point. Yeah, you know, the thing, the thing I believe in talent, I believe there's lots of talent out there. The, the challenge is, is being able to find it and, and bring it to the surface. Um, and, and, and the other thing, too, is, you know, when, when you recruit for talent, you're, you're in a center. You tend to recruit in a center, whether it's Vancouver or whether it's Toronto. As you just said, I think the playing field has been leveled quite a bit. I think you can get on a call. You can present yourself professionally. You've got your resume. And now you can work at a distance. You don't necessarily need to be in that city center anymore. So when you start to take your head into different places about where your workforce can be, how it can work, do they have to commute into the office? Do you need that office space? The mind really starts to open in terms of, okay, what can, what are the, what are the possibilities? Where will I get my talent from? 
And the truth is it's, it's out there. It's, um, it's going to be bringing it to you and bringing it through technology. Do you think then for, I don't know, a city of Vancouver, not to get into the nitty gritty of it too much, but if we have this potential for people to work wherever they want, because it's all online, maybe they can live wherever they want. Do you think there's the potential for a bit of a diaspora out of the city? You know, um, I, I don't know what that might necessarily do for say commercial real estate for um, just, you know, average uh, uh, households, you know, uh, what's your, I, I know it's kind of a broad thing to throw at you, <laughs> but like, any, any thoughts on what the potential means if there is kind of this trend moving forward? You know, I think it means, uh, you know, I, I, I think it means just a whole change in the dynamics. So, you know, real estate. Okay, so the market softened a bit. The market has softened before. The market tends to come back and steady. And then what it presents now is when it softens, it's an opportunity to buy in. So if you had looked at the demographic trends for real estate and let's pick Toronto and Vancouver, you would have seen a lot of the uh, diaspora, um, the, the, the young, the youngins, I call them, uh, graduating university, moving into micro, micro-sized apartments in the city. Um, will they move out further? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? Right. If the commuting's easier, if you can work remotely, many of them are working remotely and they want to come into the office. So there's this, this balancing act. Um, I think, um, what I will say is I think uh, real estate in Vancouver is a wonderful investment. I can't really forecast where it is or is it, isn't going to go, but I just think it has to go through its cycle. And, and I think I, I would leave it at that. I think that um, what we have observed, and we just recently did a survey of um, the, um, I call them the youngins, uh, you know, of, of all the staff actually, and who wants to come into work. And it is, it is, it is our, our young people right? They're living in smaller apartments. They do like the interaction. They do want to come into work. So the question is, is, you know, what is your workforce of the future and how is it composed? Are they all going to come in or not? We can work either way now. So I think it's going to be a mix of how, how it, it looks. I think um, a lot of companies are going to have to figure that out. And, um, you know, maybe people buy bigger homes or bigger apartments. It's hard to say how it's going to go, but I think um, it's really hard to make these forecasts right now. Certainly there's going to be a softening, um, just how deep and how long-term I think remains to be seen. So um, maybe if I turn the attention towards you a little bit, uh, you, you've been CEO for five years at HSBC Canada. Um, at the end of last year, you informed your bosses, uh, your, your plans for retirement. Um, does it feel a little weird? You know, uh, you already have a successor picked at this point, but you'll be kind of leaving it in the midst of, you know, what is one of the, the strangest times at all. Um, what are your feelings on kind of departing at, at this point right now? Well, you know, it's, you have to have, um, there's no good time to leave, you know, um, I, and I've actually stayed on longer than I had planned, uh, because it was funny, you know, you go through the process and then the, um, the COVID pandemic and the crisis came along quite quickly. And so I, I extended my, my date. Um, I think we're in a, a calm period at the moment. Uh, it's by no means over. It's by no means over. But now it's, okay, we're going to start reopening the business. How quick is the economy come back? Is there going to be a recurrence? Are we going to stumble? All of those questions have yet to be answered. But um, I've worked in banking a long time, and I have to tell you, there's really no good time. There's always something going on that's difficult to manage through. Um, you have to decide when it's time to leave. And I'm very confident with the leadership team here. We have a wonderful set of executive professionals and we have a wonderful leader stepping in to take my place. So all of these things, it's okay to leave. 
it's okay to leave. So I'm feeling quite confident about the team and their ability to uh, continue to grow and do good business. Well, I'm also curious, just as you reflect on your career, like what's something that kind of jumps out to you as maybe kind of a shiny moment or, or, or something that you're just really proud of that you know that you'll you'll think back and reflect on and, and you'll know that that's something that you can point to to other people. You know, it's funny, I'm, I've been getting a, a lot of emails this week and I've been taking my time to read them and I'm so appreciative to have been receiving them, but they, they take me back to different times. And, um, you know, I remember the first time I was in an audience with the prime minister and I've been in an audience twice. I remember the first time I spoke to the finance minister and I've spoke to him several times since I, I, um, you know, I've, some of the business icons I've had the opportunity to meet and spend time with. I've just been so humbled by it all. But most of all, the, the people I work with every single day, I've worked with a great bunch of uh, bankers at HSBC, coast to coast and globally. I've had wonderful experiences and opportunities. And, you know, it's it's a nice body of work to, to work, look back on. I could probably go on for hours one day, but um, I'm, I feel really proud of what I've been able to achieve. And I'm so proud of the team that's been there with me. So um, very thankful, I'm very thankful. Well, why don't we leave off with this question? I'm just curious, just in the last few months, uh, as you reflect on this pandemic, what do you think you've learned about yourself just over the last two and a half months here? Oh my goodness, what have I learned about myself? So I'm a people person. I always like to need people around me and um, I've been okay without that. I love to be in front of customers. I've been able to connect digitally. Um, I didn't think it was possible to the degree that it is. Um, I've enjoyed the mental challenge of trying to figure out, um, you know, the different um, banking issues, customer issues. I, you know, I, I like trying to figure things out. So I, I've appreciated that. Um, but I've learned that people adapt. I've learned I can adapt. Even at my age, I, I you know, you think mm, I'm kind of long in the tooth now. I don't know if I can, but I've learned I can adapt. So um, that's uh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. So I think that that's probably my biggest learning from all of this. And I think there's a lot more adapting to do yet. And I'm up for it. Well, excellent. You know, Sandra, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And I just want to thank you once again for joining us on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Tyler. That is Sandra Stewart, CEO of HSBC Canada. And that is it for the show today. But you can go to BIV.com for all of our other interviews from this week, as well as news stories and everything. For now, I'm Tyler Orton. Thank you, everyone, for attending today's very interesting session. I'm Will Westring, Managing Partner of Faskin's BC Region, which includes our downtown Vancouver and Surrey locations. Faskin is a Canadian-based international law firm with offices across Canada in London, England, Johannesburg, South Africa, and Beijing, China. We are BC's largest law firm and have been serving this province's business community for over 130 years. At Faskin, we provide a full range of legal services, including assisting clients in relaunching their operations and implementing COVID-19 business recovery efforts. Please call us or visit our website for information on all the services we provide, including our COVID-19 Knowledge Center. We really are in this together. Thank you.